Hello and welcome to the Billowing Hilltop Podcast. I'm here with Fiona. Hello, Fiona. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Fiona is from the What Am I Rolling Podcast. Mm-hmm. Fiona and I have chatted away about all things role play, podcast. We talked about one shots. We talked about rule systems. We talked about just everything. Uh, it's a fascinating listen. Fiona's got massive experience around the gaming industry, but we can't really do justice to our chat in this little segment. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the whole of our chat at the end yep. of this episode. That is after the credits. So stick around. But for now, Fiona, tell us all about your podcast and um, that's it. Tell us all about it. <laughs> Just tell you all about it. I can do that. Yeah. So I run What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Every couple of weeks, usually twice a month, I'll put out an episode or a couple of episodes around a certain game system and just my dream is basically to run people through new systems that they're not really they're not really played before, yeah. they're not really tried and just create different stories from them because uh, I do think one of my big sort of tenets is that I really want more people to play in more RPGs that aren't necessarily the big ones and just create stories together that they wouldn't thought was possible. And that's basically it and we've been going for about 4 years. So yeah. There's an awful lot of shows that you've done. <laughs> There's an awful lot of content. <laughs> Readers, I beseech I implore you check out the What Am I Rolling podcast and stick around stick around yes. for our chat at the end of this episode and also 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 uh, Dragon Meat yes you're going to be at Dragon Meat 3rd of December yeah. in the podcast zone yes so are we so we'll see you, uh, we'll see you there yeah 100% at dragonmeat.co.uk for info and tickets but that really is that really is it uh, no more news <laughs> or information I promise thanks Fiona oh, thank and you. let us push on with episode 117 of the Billowing Hilltop podcast Sage Hello wave goodbye <laughs> Good evening, everybody. We killed the GQ. And, uh, Good evening, all. I'm here with uh, Lucas. Hello, hello Lucas. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Running the restored, the intelligently restored Uncle Buggy. Uh, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. And Graham. Hello, hello Mike. Graham. Hello, readers. We are back. We need to do a quick recap, I think, about where we are. Anybody want to do it? Or should I do I it? I should just point well, out we've had that two I've got episodes small... down here. We've just gone back and we're scouting. I got some old chips together and did a little bit of a 3D print. And Paul is now this strange electrical object. He can speak using more. Okay, well, you listen to his instructions. <laughs> Last week, dear readers, as you will be aware, there was a bit of a catastrophic breakdown <laughs> in our constructed version of Paul. The rubber band that so much depended upon snapped at yeah. a crucial juncture. Vulcanized. We've been interpreting his wishes ever since. Basically, we've wired up a couple of diodes. Yeah. And Lucas has been just trying well, to he's wing it, really. Well, he's now, so... To, well, it's great. Like so he will be, sig- yeah. be signalling to us from his um, pot, I think we'll call it, his beaker. <laughs> his beaker of cockles. Uh, that's an odd thing to have said. And <laughs> odder than we Paul signalling from a pot. You think that's odder? <laughs> Last week, they fought the Knights of Chaos in the lower level of the Ziggurat. They fled back to the library. They sent Alessandra on a couple of scouting missions. And the second scouting mission on which they followed her at a sort of, you know, cowardly safe distance, she has discovered a change in things, searching for the chittering beetles. She's found that the way west through the chambers to the north of the Sea of Worms seems to be blocked by some kind of weird semi-opaque... G-cube, man. uh, It's a G-cube. ...thing with stuff floating in it. One of the things floating in it was a green, jagged, glowing crystal, just like the crystal they retrieved from the many-eyed Blamange monster underneath the Evenstar Arena, the one that they used to... What was it called, that thing? The Ulgastaster. 
That's right. The one that they used to critically damage the Ulgostasta during their crunch match in the final at the Gladiatorial Games. That's where we left mm, it. So maybe that will be useful against the Kiosk Knights, do you think? Yes. Mm. You got that. Maybe. I'm amazed you figured no, that out. I, mean, that's, that's, I hadn't got that. Very good. Are we going to follow um, Alessandra then? Well, Alessandra's not committed to anything beyond that. That's where I've left it. So she can see into the chamber full of bodies. Readers, there's a chamber full of bodies. And then pass that into this, what you think is a gelatinous cube. She hasn't gone right. Right is a little passageway that heads towards some double doors through which she heard the sound of faint trickling water. You lot are all in the big worm chamber. What do you want to do? Is this the time to do a silence on the gelatinous cube? Fire our lightning at the gelatinous cube. Is forced to move. The creatures come out. The chittering things hopefully are right behind. Yes. And we yes. engage. That's, I was going to suggest something similar. What do you think, guys? I don't know if you remember from last week, but it was Alessandra's sense that rather than it being a giant distance between herself and the chittering beetles that was keeping her safe, yeah. that there may be an obstruction between her and the chittering beetles. Well, this could be the obstruction. Yeah, so we think there's a gelatinous cube in this little yeah, corridor. An aperture yeah. to the west of the yeah. corridor. With the we think the beetles are probably the other side of that aperture. Mm-hmm. But we mm. don't know that. We don't know it. We don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. But we could yep. drop a silent spell kind of on the GQ. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we do it there? Why wouldn't we do it here? Then they can't move past it. It's in between us and them. That's not a bad idea. So for the readers, yeah. there's another corridor before the we other get to pinch that room. Point. Yeah. yeah, there's two pinch points. Graham's signaling the one that's closest to us. I think that's not a bad idea. So, But it depends if... I was thinking that we would send the fighters in to, to block the far corridor. But you're right. So you're suggesting we yeah. could block this one. But we're assuming that they'll come after us. Yeah. we don't, Obviously, we don't know what's down the double doors at the end of the corridor that might pop out. So, yes. Yes. That always happens. Alessandra is saying something. But I've got a wall of force, so we can always block off one area, yeah. one side or the I other. I think I ought to remind you of something, because I, I don't think this came up last week. Mm. And without... Well, you say, Lucas, that you've got some kind of workable Paul there, but I don't see much evidence of it. What Paul is probably not able to um, signal to you is that when Sandy approached those double doors down the corridor to the east, she felt a strange... She got thirsty. Yes. Oh, you do. Yeah. Somebody does listen. Yeah. Thirsty? It was just a guess. <laughs> Why are you never hungry in the desert? Because of all the sandwiches there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm going to... Right, so Buggy's doing the silent spell. Uh, I'm flying over to there. Well, with, before, hold on, Parker, so the first Parker. thing we want to do is Sandy can... You don't want to move in. Well, Sessions moves up and does a silent spell, and, and Buggy does a silent Alexander spell. Alexander needs to... Presume, Buggy's doing the silent spell. I don't, well, okay. a gelatinous cube where? The trouble with me doing the silent spell is if I take damage, then I have to make a roll to keep it. Mm-hmm. But that's true, so... Sessions does the silent spell. Okay. We're just firing range things at this GQ. I don't have to. Can Sandy That's why I was suggesting that we do the silence up there. Can Sandy do assassinate it. on the gelatinous cube? There. Does um, that work? Is it aware? Is it something you can assassinate? Don't see why not. You probably can. It sounds does weird. It roll initiative. Can, it's a cube. Don't they have things like tremor sets? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying um, is before we start do. doing spells and things that will make it realize that something's happened... Sandy, Sandy should be able to get in an attack because then that's the 
sneak attack, critical, roll at advantage, attack. Because it's surprised. Yeah. Are you moving up, Graham? Yeah, which I'm not sure which one you want me to do it at, but I'm happy to move up with that well, Uncle Buggy. Whichever one you think. I thought, yeah, so we do it at range. We attack at range through the silence, which we do. Okay, so you want me to put it here? Yeah, or maybe there. In the first corridor section. It's a 10 foot radius, is it? 20 foot. Question It is 20 foot radius sphere. So the far edge is across that far corridor. So if you centered it here, yeah, yeah its edge would be... It's across both entrances, yeah. Yes, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I don't know if you can signal this to Paul, Lucas, but tonight's beer is from the yeah. awful brew dog. Uh. Alcohol-free, hazy Jane. Embrace the opaque is the annoying marketing slogan on the side of the can. Anyway, there we are. So if the readers benefit, Session's doing a silent spell centred in the middle of the second chamber that's going to... Chamber with all the bodies in it. Extend across the two entrances to that chamber. We're going to call this room the Chamber of Long Sleep, if that's helpful, with all the bodies in it. You're going to centre your silent spell in the very middle of it. Nothing... There's no reaction to that. Do you think we should actually go into the silent spell in case... Our fighting draws the attention of Kiel's knights or any other baddies. Yes. So, Mike, I want to centre mm-hmm. a fairy fire. So I'm moving up to the first pinch point yes. to, to the west. Looking into the room of the corpses in the and the silence spell. Yeah. Yeah. Looking beyond it where we think the cube of force is. Are there the cube of force? G cube. Jelly force? cube. I think there's a cube of force there. I want to cast my spell, centre it 60 foot away, mm-hmm. about 10 foot into that darkness bit. What's your dark vision range? It is... It's going to be 30 or 60 feet, I'm guessing. If you can't find it, then your dark vision's awful. You can see dim light within 60 feet of you, as if it were bright light. Well, I'm saying that you can therefore see a little bit past the G-cube. That's my determination. Yeah. I'm going to reveal a little... Another 10 foot. I'm going to reveal a little arc. You can see 10 foot of floor beyond. You can see a bit of a beetle. How tall is the aperture? How high is the ceiling? 12 foot, the ceiling. So if there's a G-cube there, there'll be two foot above it. We aren't going to get into this too much, but no, the cube, if it is a cube, is not a cube. It's a whatever. Right, so it's filling the space. It's a brick. Yeah, it's filling the space. If it wasn't filling the space, you'd be in terrible trouble from the Beatles. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen yeah, of the okay. other. Anyway, you can see a chittery beetle. Just the front mandibles and limbs and a bit of its carapace and head. It is about five or six feet back from the second pinch point. Therefore, you presume from this gelatinous oblong. Okay. Can I target a spell the other side of the GQ? Um, If it says a target within range that you can see, then yes. But you have to have line of effect. Or a target within range. We can have a fantastic discussion. Let's pick the spell. Mm. We've had this before, haven't we? We have. It's about whether or not there needs to be a line of effect. If there needs to be a line of effect, then no. Each object in a 20-foot cube within range. What's the spell? Fairy fire. Didn't we decide that everything needed a line of effect? I think we kind of did. Not to open up an old argument that actually I was arguing against. We discussed the fact that you do need a line of effect or something. Oh, I can't remember. There was something about a magic missile in the glass (laughs) maze, and I can't can't fucking remember what we decided. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then we decided that it, we thought that you should be able to target somebody 
in a glass maze with a magic missile, but actually it turns out you can't. I think there has to be no cover or something from the yeah, thingy with you the watson. Yeah, you need to yeah. effect. It's in the rule targets, isn't it? I really don't want to get into this. Actually, you know what? I quite like these discussions. I'm happy to get into it. I think it sounds odd that you can do a spell beyond something like a G-cube. If it is a G-cube, the G-cube is not an object. The G-cube is a creature. Hmm. If there was an ogre standing okay, in so that the, doorway... The targeting rule is, is relatively clear. A clear path to the target. To target something, you must have a clear path to it, so it can't be behind total cover. There you go. Right. I would wager that a gelatinous cube is total cover. We're in an odd area, yes. aren't we? Well, if it was solid... It would be totally. It cover. is solid. So it's yeah. It's, it's just both creature yeah. and obstruction. Yeah. Cool. In which case, I can't get the beetles with the fairy fire. No. Yet. Can I do it anyway? Just don't do it on the cube. No. Save it for the beetles. What do you want? Okay. The first thing that needs to happen is that Alessandra needs to get the uh, sneak attacking on the cube. Do you know what I could do? <laughs> yeah. Dissonant whispers on the cube. If it fails to save, it has to move away from me over the beetle. <laughs> yeah, but let Alessandra... Potentially paralyzing the beetle. That's not bad. Let's try Do that. Do we want to paralyze the beetle? Surely we want to lure the beetle towards us into the silence. Sandy do you can think, do... Do you think the dead bodies in this big chamber that we've done a silence spell in are going to animate? Yeah, it's happening. I mean, there's always something like that. It's entirely possible. Yeah. In which case, we're going to run away again. So. Yeah, we always get caught out <laughs> And like where's this. this crystal hanging in the GQ? If it's a G cube, it is in the pretty yeah, much yeah. in the heart of the G cube. In the middle. So we detonate a bomb in the middle of the G cube, smashing the crystal, releasing its magical undead killing power. Or maybe it's uh, suppressing the thing that's keeping all those bodies lying down. Oh, oh that's yeah, a good point. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they wake up with a chittering. But they, if it, when we did it before, we smashed it and it did damage. It's like a undead yeah. grenade. Yes. Why don't we just do one thing at a time? Exactly. Just, that that's exactly what it was like. When they, when they reanimate. Let's, just, let's just do range things on the GQ. Maybe we See, need I, it I, so I that when they reanimate. I do occasionally pay attention. What are you looking for? Yeah, Validation. I, I know here this. And there. Yeah. <laughs> Should we just do range things on the GQ? Yeah, I haven't got many range things. Oh, I haven't either. But point. It's not going to have that many hit points, is it? I Get up and smash it then. Could go up and just smash yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, in the silence spell, Parker's prepared to do that. Sandy gets a sneak attack. You do the dissonant whispers. Things stick to a G cube, though, don't they? They get paralysed. Yeah. yeah. When I'm it hits sure you. But if I if I but Parker run up, can hit do it, range run away attacks again. on it. You might find you're leaving your weapons behind. Yeah. yeah. Parker yeah. can attack it from. So I'm you. going to do instead. I'm going to start with a dissonant whispers. Well, you're well, not. We, we first of all, Alessandra is going to have his basically. Well, is she going to be uh, surprised attack. anymore because of the silence spell? I think that the idea here is that you have the instigating action. Nobody's particular un yeah. particularly unaware. I mean, if it's a gelatinous cube, it doesn't really do that anyway, right? It's just sitting there. Does a silence spell have a verbal component? Let's not get into that. What are you doing? Who are you starting with? What's the deal? Your least Sandy question. is going to have an attack mm -hmm. on the gelatinous cube. Okay. An assassination attack. Yeah. I and understand. Sessions is going to do the silence. Yeah. Okay. No, oh, okay. So we're sort of... All of that chatter was... We just inserted that into the millisecond between 
sessions casting no, the silence basically it is a game it's not intended to fully mimic reality no not fully you know, yeah but i mean fully is doing an awful lot of work in that sentence bonds it's like <laughs> you've managed to basically have this prolonged dialogue between you yeah in an instant yeah, hypothetical hypothetical yeah, but obviously we did all this planning before we went there. we're like supercomputers we're doing like a journey that bearing in mind second. that you've all yeah. got your <laughs> you're all wearing earplugs <laughs> i think the fact that you've managed to collude on this Anyway, fuck it. Right, Sandy, off you go with your with your shot. Here is a roll. Thank you very much. I was getting a bit picky. Armor class. Oh my god, what's all that? <laughs> I don't know that that's <laughs> gone all that well. <laughs> Ten D six, three D eight, and a one on a D. Rolled a one. It's a one. Yeah, I rolled a one. Okay, you've rolled a one, so you missed Maybe the gelatinous cube. Uh, hang on, hang on. The orc dice. Hang on, I'm getting some Morse code in. Are being being told here. Morse code <laughs> is saying ought dice. Okay. Yeah. Reroll it. Right. Oh, okay. There we go. Hitting armor class at least twenty-four. Well, that's a hit on the thing in the doorway. If it's a gelatinous cube, we're not certain. Right. How much damage? I mean, the only thing we know um, about gelatinous cubes is that they don't take damage. Oh, anyway. also the other. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, one. Uh, not, so also she rolls at advantage. I don't think we need to worry you about that. Do we? Advantage. Does the one still count as a critical No, it miss? doesn't. No, no well, yeah, you'd have, you'd, you'd so you have didn't to use roll again. Dice. Yes. So well, we don't, we don't need to use the, so the twenty. Well, it's so too, to I mean, it's too dice. late now. You know. Um, oh no. Roll your. Uh, roll give me your. The, the fact that I don't know this character off by heart. You seem to be very confident that you're understanding what, what the remnants <laughs> of Paul was signalling you. Didn't use an old dice. Move along, move along. Nothing to see here. Nothing so, to see. Is it, if is we're going to go back in time, then you need to make that other roll. You never know. Could have been a one. Could have been a miss. It wasn't, it wasn't it was a miss. 24. It was twenty-four. That was the ought dice roll. No. no, that was the other roll. There's no, there's no extra no, there D8. There wasn't any D8 applied. To uh, only because you didn't need it. No, no, we're not rebadging it. You determined. You declared you were using an ought okay. dice, and you rerolled. Right. right. Here we right. go again. Okay. Right, twenty. You're going to run somebody else's character. You've got to know everything about that character before you start. So it's maximum. <laughs> so it's <surprise>. shameless. <laughs> the idea well, that you said you were well, going to use an ought dice, absolutely, and that, that that therefore <laughs> you had to go back, but that, that rebadging the other role. Uh, so that's because. Oh dear. Anyway, right. You hit so, with the first attack. Is it surprised? It's difficult to tell. I think we can agree that it didn't know and, that you were there. Does maximum double damage. So Off it's you 16, go. 21, 57 points of damage. 57 okay, points yeah. of damage. Gross okay. Though. And now the silence spell. And then the Can Buggy do something as well? Hold up. I thought you'd already cast the silence spell. I've cast the silence spell. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Whatever. I crossed it off about two yes, hours ago. Yes, I know. Ago. It's about two hours ago. The mm-hmm. arrow stops flying through the air as it enters that area it just stops like it's well entered a gelatinous cube hangs there you don't know how much you've damaged the cube it certainly doesn't collapse or anything but you can see your arrow floating it's probably resistant to piercing weapons in the gunge if it is gunge let's move on can i do a butterfly or something can't we have a round each we're we're all coordinated we had the drop on the thing if we decide to go first then we Ready. If you ready, okay. And we all go at the same time. Let's just do this. 
Fine. So you're all ready, did you? So you're all just taking a single action, no movement, right? Uncle Buggy seems yeah. to have moved just then, but okay. It started with Sessions casting the silence spell, right? I'm really lost here. Well, we're all... What? What? We're all going together. But you don't literally go together. At some point, we have to unpick what the cause and effect and what happened first right. and second. Was the first thing that happened was Sessions casting the silence spell. And you were all readying an action. The moment that Sessions cast the silence spell, you had a pre-arranged action. Is that correct? Yes. And you didn't tell me that you were doing that when he was casting the silence spell. No. But if I'm being really <laughs> nice and I'm saying, well, let's just hand wave that because, hey, you've got the opportunity to coordinate your actions and all go at once. Yeah. Oh, I see that Parker seems to have yeah. moved. That's interesting. Parker's moved. Just moved there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the sessions managed to move after he cast the silence spell, which which Maybe is an odd thing to have happened. Yes, I think we better roll initiative. Let's just roll initiative. Okay, rolling for the nasties of Kias. <sighs> Seven for <laughs> Huggy. Sixteen for Parker. Alexandra gets a twenty. Nine for Purple. Nine for Purple. Eleven. Eleven for Sessions. Sessions casts a spell. He darts back mm -hmm. round the corner. As he's darting back, Alessandra, who's round we've already administered, who happens to be going first, luckily for us. <laughs> this would be an absolute nightmare to unpick. The arrow is hanging, suspended in whatever is in that doorway. On 16, it's Parker. Well, I will start by moving north across the doorway and I will do a produce flame throw it at the gelatinous cube it's plus six armor class ten probably not armor class ten is a hit wow eleven points of damage fire damage you know like when you you hold a match or something or a cigarette lighter close to some sort of soft plastic and it kind of blows <laughs> away yep <laughs> You get a sense of that from your produced flame. The front of the cube, if it was a cube, seems to be diminished. Sessions on 11 seems to be going again. No, doesn't everybody go that uh, hasn't that no. option yet? No. Sessions. Sessions is thinking. Um, you can always do nothing. I think Sessions will uh, ready. Uh, yep. Oh, no, I'll tell you what. Sessions will... Um, no, he'll do nothing. He'll float up into the ceiling on the sweepstake. On to Burple on nine. I've got a weird Remembering feeling. Remembering the new thing that I'm supposed to be saving all my spells for healing. I've so. got a weird feeling that we are in the first round of... Of what? Well, a lot. The next 83, the next 83 um, round. episode. Yes, precisely, yeah. We'll see everybody again in episode 131 or whatever. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm to do... I'm going to do haste on myself. Yes. The nasties of Kios. The cube moves. Warbles, squirbles, forwards towards you. Okay. You can see its contents a little bit more clearly. Buggy, Sandy, the two of you. Parker peeking around the corner. It's probably within the range of all of your dark visions. Bugraft and Sessions, how are you seeing? Bearing in mind it's dark down here. Not pretty well, then. Flaming torch light. Oh, and you've got your you've got your flame tongue. And following up behind it, the beetle starts to work its way into the space behind it it works its way basically into the aperture but doesn't really come any further you can see though is that an another the other beetle you see it emerge from the darkness behind 
the first one. So now you've got effectively a queue of beetles, two beetles, Ringo and <laughs> Paul, working their way through the aperture towards you behind the cube. I think that is it. That's it for now. And it is Uncle Buggy, Uncle Buggy on seven. I'll move up to the edge of the silent spell. Yeah, I suggest we don't move into the room. That's probably they the trigger for these the dead bodies. So, might go through so I'm moving into the... You're moving into the silent spell? Silent spell, right on the edge in the in this aperture. But you're in the silent spell, right? Yeah. Um, okay. No, just slightly outside yeah, that's it. Good. Then I'm going to do a, a guiding bolt thing. Here it's we a go. Spell, it's a spell, right? spell attack. Um, I roll a 15. Are you targeting the cube? Yes, or are you targeting the cube. The 15 is going to be a hit. I mean, 100%. 15 points of radiant damage. The next attack roll made against the target before the end of your next turn has advantage thanks to mystical dim light. Give me a perception check. Four. No, fine. And then I'm going to step five foot forward into the edge of the silence. So you're 15 feet away from this cube you can see the giant beetle just following up behind it the beetles only 30 feet uh, away from you probably moves 20 feet doesn't he oh, no sorry i'm going to the edge of the i'm outside the silence on the edge of the silence. you're outside the silence at the edge of the thing okay top of round two of 60 it is <laughs> sandy on 20 sandy i guess will just also fire an arrow at it she can't get the beetles behind unless she was to move into the room i think not i think the yeah. cube is an obstruction yeah, hitting armor class. Oh, here we go with the dice again. That's a hit. 27, seven points of piercing damage. There you go. Okay, uh, uh, give me a perception check. 24. You don't didn't think do that your arrow has done an enormous amount of damage on this cube. Every little gap. But then it didn't anyway. Did it do anything? You think it's done something, yes. Yeah, okay, uh, But you think that enough. the cube is looking, what's the word, unstable. On 16... If it is the real Parker, Parker well, steps around into the possibly opening. Possibly the real Parker steps around into the steps opening. Steps the street next to or something like you and me, babe. How about it? How about it? And we'll do another produce flame on the cube. So on the cube, roll to strike the cube. Hitting armor class. Oh. Hitting armor class seven is a hit. No, it's not because it's a one. It's oh, it's a one. one. So that's that. It's just a miss. That's it. That's very pleasing. On 11, still trying to do as little as possible with his little cooking stove out and his sausages <laughs> in a little pan. It is <laughs> Sessions. I think Sessions will swoon. Really? <laughs> is everybody sure that Graham's okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I think again. one um, of the three signs of stroke. It's decisions. <laughs> um, I shall... I'm going to. Uh, You're going to. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to do nothing. Purple <laughs> <laughs> on nine. I'm going to yeah, continue to eat cheese. Continue to eat cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sausage and cheese baskets. Purple is going to run into the room, into the thing. Yeah, you can see. Bash his swords together. Yes. Doing a lightning bolt and run back again. Okie dokie. So that is 66, nice. I believe. It's 11 plus... It's 19. 19 points of damage saved to half. 19 points of damage Nine saved Pumped to half. Um, das Electro Theron. Ooh! <laughs> you know what it... What was the DC? 
Let me have a look. Uh, I mean, a 19, it's got minus. It's That's a 15. Ooh, it could be close. DC 14, D, DC 14 dexterity. It against the nightfall. <laughs> it takes half damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes nine points of damage. And the beetle? Beetle number one, please. Mm, it's a fail for beetle number one. 19 punk de M. De Electra Zappen. Well, this cube looks yet more unstable. You don't know how long this cube can maintain its integrity for. But maintains its integrity for long enough to splurple up towards you. And then the skeletons within it start to move. How in many it. skeletons are there in it? Just a couple. Or in the room? In it. In it, though. In are it, though. The kiosks. Kiosk knights. They just seem like regular skeletons. Presumably they took damage from the lightning bolt. They might have taken damage. Yes. On the other hand, they might have been awakened by the lightning bolt. Skeleton number one emerges from the G-Cube. And this is skeleton number two. I can only apologise for the minis. First skeleton, we're going to call it the pink skeleton, is going to attack Parker. Back It just sort of scratches at you. It hits armor class at 25. Lucas on a jet plane. That's a hit. Two points. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Of bludgeoning damage, and its second uh, scrabble at you. Oh, hits armor class <laughs> twenty-four for oh, a further. Oh, I just realised. Seven something. points. You had advantage, Parker, on your attack on the GQ because of my spell. Bludgeoning damage. If only you hadn't burnt every single opportunity you rolled a one ever have you? for retrospective engineering. The second uh, skelly scrabbles at Bugraft, hitting armor class 20. Yeah, that's a hit. Five points of bludgeoning damage, and it misses with the second attack. But the skeletons have emerged from the cube. The bug squirgles up. Parker Buggy, give me perception checks. 14. Four. Okay. You don't know that the bug really gets the cube. It doesn't look like there's any kind of coordination here. In fact, if anything, it looks like the bug is just following. Maybe it's been trying to get through there for a while, and finally the cube has moved. <laughs> the other bug kind of gets into the edge of the silent spell. Yuggle buggy on seven. Well, I'll start raging. <sighs> I'll get my flaming tongue sword out. Flame tongue. Your flaming tongue sword out. Yep. Flaming tongue sword. First attack on the skelly. In on front. the skeleton. 26. This just looks like a normal skeleton. 23 normal points of damage. Moving about. You vaporise that skeleton. It just bursts apart in a shower of bones that all go... Okay, like a xylophone. bash the one next to Parker. Mm-hmm. Your second attack. Uh, it's a hit. 18, and I do... 16 And you smash that one apart as well and again this time like a glockenspiel <laughs> well assuming that the g cube's going to block the aperture i could move back it's just mm. going to keep moving yeah, this is what you need it's to engulf you yeah so i can move back 10 feet and still not worry about the beetle coming through because the g cube will come forward and block that aperture so the beetle can't get through beyond the silence spell. are you sure it's not going to move no. right past that 
I think we need to stand sure up we ground, did, unfortunately. We might kill the cube. And kill the cube. Uh, the cube's integrity looks under deep... Okay, alright, I'll still hold my ground then. Alright, that's it. That's my go. Sandy on 20, round 3. Sandy will continue to do what little damage she does, but every little counts. Oh, I suppose I could have stepped forward, couldn't I? So you've got your sneak. Hitting uh, armor class... Hitting armor class 11. Is a hit. On the cube. For 10. Oh, the cube collapses. Nice. It just... I mean, you haven't been doing great damage with these bow shots. But enough. But it doesn't matter, because the cube was right at the point of collapse, and now you have precipitated a collapse. So your arrow sort of... into it. It shudders, and then just goes... like a jelly that's been sat on a hot plate or something. And all of the bits in it start kind of clattering around on the floor. There's gelatin everywhere. It's like disaster in the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> this glowing green crystal has to make a saving throw. Oh. Is gently enough deposited on the ground not to shatter. Mm-hmm. That's it. Anything else you want to do, Sandy? No, I think that's... Actually, no, oh, Sandy will the, move... Pick up um, the gem. I no, mean, no, we don't want to move into the room yet because that might trigger these dead creatures. No, Sandy will move... Has anyone been in the room? Parker, Buggy, Sandy, give me perception checks on, on that Burple's been point. in the room. No, he hasn't. Burple, yeah, that's Burple ran what? in to do his thing and then ran back out. He didn't trigger no. any dead things. Why don't you give me a perception check, Parker and Buggy? Uh, so, 18 for Sandy. 20, natural. Okay, Buggy. Uh, and These corpses, perfectly preserved corpses have reacted exactly as you would expect corpses to react were a gelatinous cube to steamroller over them and then a giant beetle to crunch across them. They haven't moved. They haven't animated. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to have been especially protected. You think that the jelly of the gelatinous cube has caused some damage, some dissolution, and then, of course, there's this beetle following up, crunching all over them. Parker, 16. We should step one step further forward, right? So that we engage the beetles. We don't allow them to get to the edge of the silent spell. I think it'd be safe where you are, but I'd be inclined to go forward. Yes, I am. I'm going to step forward. It's not come out, has it? So So there are bodies in the path between Parker and the beetle. Yes, the full floor of the room is occupied by head-to-toe arranged, perfectly preserved corpses. Yeah. Has the... has the cube rolling across the floor not cleared a bit of a path? But like I said, just mm. then, the cube has definitely affected the corpses as you would expect. And acid... Sorry, did you miss a bit? Acid dissolved a lot of them. The cube has definitely caused some dissolution of the corpses. So there's a clear path across There's not the a clear path across the room, no. There are, there are remnants of the bodies strewn in your path. Okay. There's a path across the room. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, so I will go up chance. to the beetle. <laughs> yeah. And thump it. You're standing and right next to this crystal. It's on the floor at your feet. Yeah. Armour class 19. Is a hit on the beetle. That's 18 points. Got it. Yep. Next attack uh, hits armour class 18. Is another hit. Doesn't look like these There's things are too Nine points to of slashing and four points of fire. Yep. Oh, okay. hey. 20. Do you want to roll to confer? You might as well. Doesn't hurt. That's going to be enough. Let me just deal you a card. What does it say? Shin bash. Maximum damage and roll the damage dice again. Okay. So what was the Is original damage you just did? 
So the original... Yeah, we'll just do maximum damage and you roll the damage again. We won't get into double anything. So just what was the... Right, but what about my savage attack? First things first. You do maximum damage and it's doubled because it's a critical. What's the maximum damage on the dice? 12. So then that would be okay. 24 plus 3 is 27. And then, what else does it say on the card? Roll again. Ah, and roll the damage yeah, dice. Yeah, so roll the damage dice again. Yep. Six points. And then you have your, your savage attack. Yeah. Uh, which is four more. And then I have one last. And this could be cool if this... Oh, no, it's a miss. A ten. Ten is a miss. <sighs> is that it? Are you done? And then I will move back again. Yep. One square inside the... Um, yeah, you'll stay inside the silence. Yeah, stay inside the silence, but move back away from it. If I understand correctly, I can interact with an object on my way back and pick up the diamond. I can't see why not. You snaffle the crystal. Yeah. On 11 it's sessions. Hmm. <laughs> I'll reposition myself. I'm going to move the sausages from one side of the pan uh, to the yeah. other. And I'll offer a piece of cheese to Burple. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. What's this? Uh, it's Grie. Ah. Do you have any bread? Of course. On nine, it's purple. You can okay. spend your round asking purple. questions about the cheese. No, I'm doing that as a free option, a free, a free action, free luncheon. I'm free say. So free interaction with the cheese. Can you get some bread? I'll be back in a sec, and then I'm going to go up, run through Bugraft, up to the first beetle, mm -hmm. strike it on the head with the sword of Zosiel, hitting armor class. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my class, I don't believe it. Oh, my class, I don't believe it. Well, I'm going to use a Oort dice. What number have you hit? Oh. I hit 11. Okay, that was a miss. Yeah. But the Oort dice, 13 is enough. 10 points plus... It looks very wounded. Plus another three points of lightning damage. It looks plus very close to death. Oh, it's dead. It's plus it, another it, it, 16 it, 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 points. Your, your sword plunges through its carapace and it slurbles to the floor in a wash of horrible beetle eviscera. And then I'll get up to the second beetle. Yes. And I shall hit that beetle with my sword of Ecosial, hitting armor class uh, 12. It's a miss. And I shall hit it again with the sword of Zosiel. Two. <laughs> you need to get those bad you're inside the silent spell in the doorway with Parker and Buggy yeah. you've got rid of one beetle Parker has got the crystal so annoying and missed the, the other silent two spell is sitting in front of you time for the nasties of keys can you get back out of the way so I can get through that's my oh. full move the first thing that happens in the round of the nasties of keys the second beetle does a dispel magic on runs the second away beetle. yeah it takes out a wand <laughs> <laughs> no, Transforms into a wizard. I'm going to roll the dice. One to three, four to six. Okay. That beetle looks like it's thinking better of heading towards you. And it clicks oh, away so from you. it's intelligent now. It's not intelligent. That's why I rolled the dice. It's got a 50-50 chance of either pushing on or whatever. But it does understand that its fellow beetle has just been squished. It does understand that much. So like a Ant running away from a ant damager. <laughs> it, 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 you can see it disappear off into the darkness on the other side of the second choke point. That's the first thing that happens. That's annoying. Second thing that happens. Uncle Buggy 
from the east. I knew it. <laughs> Doors open. Through the door. Yeah. Oh, angels. <laughs> Comes angel number three, please. And... Boy, you. Give me my hit points back. Angel number two, please. And... Angel number one, please. They burst forth through the doors, recorporealizing as they streak towards you. And as they do so, they hold their arms outstretched and transform into great swords wreathed in flickering green flame. And we will find out Mm -hmm. uh, how much trouble you're in, uh, whether or not these angels give you an opportunity perhaps to win Mm. back some of your stolen hit points when we pick things up next week great well we got rid of one beetle that's a I think we should try and get rid of the other beetle if we can that's what Mark Chapman said (laughs) Fiona welcome to the command pod Thank you. Take oh, a seat just, yeah. anywhere. Oh, okay, cool. Not there. Okay. That's a bit of a pause. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, what am I rolling? Yeah. Two shows a month. Is that right? Two episodes a month, and then maybe some bonus yeah. episodes depending on how I'm feeling and how much I've got. And it's a mixture log. of sort of one shots that mm-hmm. aren't really one shots because they span multiple episodes, but mm-hmm. that's just the way of way of the pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there such a thing as the way of the pod? The way there of the pod. Now. Yeah. And then you've got yeah Q and A little talk show segments with mm-hmm. people. The reason we're talking, Fiona, is yes. because. Johnny, readers, you know Johnny, is listening to one of your Cthulhu one-shots. Ah, interesting, yes. I don't know which one that is. You'll have to tell me because we can't listen to it because he wants to run it. (gasps) Oh, interesting. So I think it will be only one because I've only put one on the podcast, which I believe is Amidst the Ancient Trees, which is a fascinating one from the core rulebook. But I have run other ones recently off podcast, so that's why I had to take a moment to think Uh about it. But yeah, that's a really good one. It's the first adventure that I got introduced to when I first started playing, uh, someone ran Call of Cthulhu and ran that adventure for me, and I knew instantly that I wanted to run that for other people. So, oh, that's very uh-huh. exciting, actually. Johnny has decided that he wants to run this Cthulhu thing as a one-shot, and in order to get himself prepped, just mm. that brilliant shortcut is to listen to somebody else play through it, and exactly. then you've just got it all in your head. Mm-hmm. Just terrific. I listened to your Fiasco one-shot, which I thought oh, was yes. really interesting. Tell us about some of the games that you've covered. What I tend to do, I try and take games that I find really interesting. Uh, when I started the podcast... I backed so many Kickstarters, and of course, then they all came, and then I left them in a big pile uh, by the side of my bed and never read them. And then I thought, well, I want to start going through them. So stuff like yeah. Fiasco is a great game, and it's different yeah. to what we normally think of a role-playing game, you know, Dungeon Dragons, Pathfinder, all that sort of thing, where it's like dice rolling and using the power of imagination and mental math, and some people are like, oh, that's, that's a bit too much for me. Mm. So what I try to explore is like different systems that don't necessarily rely solely on dice rolling, but sometimes we do systems that are purely dice rolling. For me, some of my favourite games have been ones where we've not used dice at all. So the ones I always mention are ones by J Dragon. So it's Possum Creek games. And we've done one called Sleep Away, where you play right. summer camp counsellors. And you are, <laughs> it's a bit yeah. like um, a Power by the Apocalypse in a way, like you'll have certain archetypes. So you're like, you have the arts and crafts teacher, you have like the rope master, etc. But your aim of the game is that you're trying to protect the kids from this thing called the Lindworm, this sort of camp horror story you know that you sit around yes. the campfire and you try and protect them but it could be something that is like a physical manifestation like so there is a monster that's in the woods that is trying to steal the children or it could be something that the counselors have come up with against themselves and that's their way of right you know going from that from from being children at the camp to being adults and that having that coming of age thing 
Uh, so I've done stuff like that, which I find really interesting, but also I've done stuff like solo RPGs, which is very interesting to do on a podcast thing. I don't know if anyone sure. listens to them. How do you do a solo? <laughs> you talk through your own... That yeah. sounds cool. Yeah, it's uh, so I've done a, a whole range of uh, solo RPGs. A lot of solo RPGs are very much reflective and isolating, so they might not be for everyone. But what I try to do is always try and find that like, if it's got an interesting mechanic or a different sort of genre that I want to do, I will usually read the rulebook through once, try not to spoil it too much for myself, and then I'll go and I'll just speak my thoughts aloud. And so I could be in uh, in my soundproof closet or whatever for a good five hours talking to myself. But like one I did recently uh, was Long Haul 1983, where I was playing like a trucker across America and using cards and stuff to talk about events. And essentially, I'd woken up one morning and everyone had disappeared bar myself. And how do I deal with that sudden like apocalypse in a way and having to get yeah, yeah. Back, get to go Ooh, get a, creepy. Get, yeah get across country to find someone that I loved and deal with that sort of fallout. But then there are other solo games like Quill, which is like a letter writing one, which is a little bit of dice rolling as well, where you had to yep. write a letter responding to a scenario and then you'd roll to see how well you wrote the letter you know if it was presented beautifully yeah. and then at the end the total score shows how it was well received it was not very well received i will tell you that i rolled very poorly in that, <laughs> that solo rpg right. what i love about this is the idea of introducing people to myriad different games and systems and opportunities yeah. the reason we like to get people on our show which is just a silly old people playing <laughs> D. that's mm. obviously quite a one note experience i think sure. our readers will attest to that mm-hmm. but we like to get people on to talk about other podcasts other shows other mm. games just simply because it just kind of broadens you know because there's so much out there and it's just so interesting to get people in to talk about mm-hmm. what they do i've been listening to your conversation with graham davis yeah because he is a bit of a ledge yeah readers Graham Davis developed Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which mm-hmm. the Elders of the Hilltop played an awful lot of in the <laughs> 80s, which ages us. I mean, he was making light of or doing that, oh, I'm so old, oh, that was ages ago. Mm. And I just thought, this doesn't sound like ages ago, this sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me feel older and older the more he went on. Mm-hmm. Graham Davis wrote The Enemy Within. I, my view is the greatest adventure path. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I did not know anything about Graham Davis until I did the research for that interview because... I'm not necessarily the target audience for Warhammer, although that is changing, I know. So it was absolutely fascinating to get on to talk about something that was obviously not what he's really known for. Obviously with Vasa and this sort of expansion that yeah. he's really into folklore. But then he just sort of offhandedly sort of mentioned like, I've also done all these things, but that's not what I want to talk about. And I'm just like, oh, wow, he's, he's, quite, he's got lots of stuff on it. So it was, And it's fascinating how, I guess, people who, you know, when, they, when they're career has expanded over several years they're like i'm working yeah. on this now but this is what i didn't pass but that's, that's not important this is important now, i think what so. was interesting about the people that did fantasy roleplay certainly my opinion mm-hmm. is that they took something that was basically built off the skeleton of a we already know it's warhammer right mm-hmm. just hordes of plastic things running mm-hmm. around hitting each other on the head mm-hmm. and turned it into a role-playing game with less i don't know less shouting yes <laughs> and more unease mm. that was when games workshop were um what's the word polymathic in a way that they aren't anymore right. mm-hmm, they used mm-hmm. to produce role-playing games and surrounding content on white dwarf was a magazine which had stuff for D, stuff for traveler mm-hmm. nowadays it would be a, a fantastic i mean there isn't i don't is there a really good general interest role-playing game magazine nowadays uh well there's um weird science which has started to come out in the last year or so uh forgive me i can't remember the name of the like, note of that yeah weird science so w-y-r-d science and you can get that on Itch and Drive-Thru RPG. 
I will say, <laughs> I do have a vested yeah. interest in it because I am mentioned in the last issue by my flatmate, Mira, who does contribute to the oh, well, thing. Cool. I know. What's quite cool about it is that they will go through and they will look at different RPGs and talk to other game designers, but it, it looks very beautiful, very sort of stylistic, uh, uses a couple of old images, that sort of old style that you see in like maybe OSR games for the uh, illustrations yeah. and stuff. But it's very yeah. clean, block colours for the, for the covers, and it's quite thick as well. Like the, the interviews and stuff, like they, it's like a little booklet. But you can get it digitally as well. So yeah, I'd recommend with Science. Oh, there we are. See, yeah, it's my question answered. I'm so completely out of touch. <laughs> the kinds of people you've been getting on for your chats are, are really interesting people with quite a lot of experience in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. In the gaming sphere. Mm -hmm. And yes. you said, has anybody got anybody that you like us to talk to? Mm. I don't know if you can find this person, Ooh, but there's somebody called Richard Pett. Richard, Richard Pet with two T's. He writes creepy, really interesting, kind of slightly gonna get under your skin adventures. Mm. He's written for Pathfinder, and our readers will know about, but you won't, Fiona. Mm -hmm. Lucky you. <laughs> We're running through this enormous old adventure path from ancient mm -hmm. times. And book eight was written by Richard Pet called mm -hmm. The Prince of Red Hand. And it's creepy and weird. Again, uh, he wrote something called The Skinsaw Murders, a really iconic Pathfinder adventure path chapter. Mm -hmm. If you could get him on. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. I will take up that challenge and I'll see what I can do. Yeah, so Richard I appreciate Pett. it. Yeah, Richard How Pett, did you okay. get into role-playing games? Ah. I don't know why I said it in such a weird way. Yeah. What, what got you started? <laughs> oh, so, uh, where do I begin? Um, so I originally started because I'm a bit of a nerd in general. So when I uh, went to university and stuff, I was part of like the Doctor Who Society. Or I was
there's always that awkward first half an hour you're sat down reading the bloody pdf or the manual and it's like this is boring and i thought if i can come with something and people don't have to worry about like stuff and then the sort of reason why i've not done too much DD on what am i running although obviously i have another podcast that does a lot of uh, D&D lore. Oh, what's that? You oh, need so, to tell us about that. Oh, I will, I will tell you that. So that's the DM's Book Club. So that's a weekly book club oh, podcast. Oh, well, I know the DM's Book Club. Yeah. Is that the thing you do with Hamilton? Do you do that with Hamilton? I do that with Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's yes. such a small world. It okay, a, yeah. I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I realised that, as I'm sure you know as well, when you play d d it gets to a point where you've played so much d d that you can maybe predict what is about to happen to you. Ah, it's a mimic. Okay, this is what I know about mimics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's that unconscious sort of, like, meta thing turns out, oh, I know what it is. We would never, our re- I mean, I'm, I can hear our readers <laughs> just, we would never uh, allow any oh, kind of meta behaviour no. in our game. Of, of course, uh, of course. Not. And I, and I, don't think for a, I don't think for a moment that people do it deliberately, although again, depending Ooh. on, you, depending on okay. your gaming group, right? Right, but, yeah. But I thought to myself, what would be better for me, who's just starting out as a, as a GM or in a DM? I thought, mm. I know, I'm going to run games that nobody else knows because then they can't question my authority on it. And that works, is, it worked really well for my confidence. That <laughs> is genius. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I've not really looked back since. Like I ha- I, I've run D&D quite regularly for uh, uh, like a home game that we keep off podcast. But a lot of time you'll find me, like recently I've run a few horror games for the show. I'm planning to run Alien for a, a big stream happening in January and I actually interviewed Andrew E. Gasker for <gasps> who's the lead writer and obviously a, a famous really? sci-fi person himself yeah I, yeah, I just interviewed uh, him okay so we just we just love we okay <laughs> we love Alien ah, we excellent. meet up twice a year mm-hmm. the Elders of the Hilltop which mm-hmm. is just the group the gaming group not all of us Mm. are on the podcast mm-hmm. but all of us do gather twice a year to play mm. D&D gather sounds weird it makes it sound like we all no, arrive in no, I, know, I, I that sounds amazing I wish I could okay. like rent an Airbnb and do that a long friends. time ago we started doing this like 20 years ago mm-hmm. we meet a couple of times a year once in the spring once in the autumn mm-hmm. and what we tend to do is we tend to pick stuff that is not the normal week to week games that we play mm-hmm. and that I did I ran Chariot of the Gods or oh such I've been reading up about that one it's great I, I, I've, awesome. I'm reading that one and Destroyer of Worlds and I know Heart of Darkness has just come out as well and all of the each one yes. of them each one of the stories obviously is part of a bigger overarching thing has so yeah. many interesting bits in it uh, and, they're just oh, amazing yeah. they are amazing I played in uh, Destroyer of Worlds and I did the one thing where I entered a room and didn't look up and let's just say I didn't survive very long in that room <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Destroyer of Worlds is very aliensy and very combat heavy. Yes, it's much more marine-y. Chariot of the Gods is basically a cross between the Alien movie mm-hmm. and one of those murder mystery dinner, par- yeah. dinner parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much more enclosed, right. much more uh, claustrophobic. And you get handed cards with secret stuff on. Great. It's kind of made us role play in a way mm. that we wouldn't normally. And then the atmosphere is just fantastically done. And you've spoken to yeah, uh, Andrew, that is uh, awesome, Igasco, yeah. And I will right. say as well, Heart of Darkness, the latest one out, that's very yeah. Aliens three because it's definitely. I'm reading it now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm listening to a podcast in order to teach myself how it works because <laughs> I am running it at the next gathering, which ah. is not this weekend but next weekend. How I'm exciting. running Heart of Darkness. Oh, so exciting! We didn't talk about Varsan. That mm. sounds like a really interesting game. Yeah, really fun game. It's like again, if you like your Cthulhu and you like your horror, but you yeah. want to be more fae or folk-like, set in sort of the industrial era of the frozen north in Norway or in Britain, I would go for that. It's a different dice system as well, and I think all of right. it. It feels very much like if you've ever played Monster of the Week or want to do something no, like if you want to have like a base somewhere. 
it feels very much like that. How does Monster of the Week work? Monster of the Week. Is it explainable in that way? Yeah, no, absolutely. So Monster of the Week, I believe, and I know you'll get uh, your readers coming going, oh, that's not it. But I see it as it's a How do you know what they sounded like? I'm sorry, carry on. <laughs> Maybe some of your readers also subscribe to my podcast and I get that too. Uh, well, yeah, they will but, um, be after this. Oh, well, I hope so. Monster of the Week is a Powered by the Apocalypse game where essentially a lot of it is like almost improvised or made up like the proper group collaboration thing, but you can have a base and, you know, like very much like in, in Buffy or like they, they have their base in the library and you'll have certain archetypes, yeah, certain roles. So you'll have like the chosen one, uh, the reluctant you know, or, or, or whatever, like, and they'll have certain power moves that they can do. And, and that's sort of it from there. The Powered by the Apocalypse, they take those sort of different types and you can put them into different games. So when I'm thinking of Vasen, you have a similar concept, but instead of it's a different dice rolling mechanic for what they do there. Right. So a bit more involved in that. But I also quite like with Vassan, which may be a spoiler for Vassan, I don't know, is that you don't always win through combat. You have to figure out... What? A, yeah, I know. You have to figure out like clues and work out, because obviously the real sort of tension and what I find really juicy about Vassan is that all the sort of people of the Fae have been keeping the boundaries, they've keeping people safe, you know, they're farming, all that sort of thing, as what we hear about in folklore, right? But yes. with the speeding up of industrialization that is sort of encroaching on their lands and so they're getting upset and they're starting to rebel and so that's why you know maybe children go missing or there's weird lights uh, in the forest or something like that so you would have to go and sort of weird help. lights in the forest is such a anyway yeah well, it's such it's a such a true thing right and it's it's yeah. and again you can take any of these creatures that I spoke about in folklore like the Luklavi, which is this horrible horse-like thing which has got a great illustration yeah. of, I would say. You can't necessarily kill it, but you can appease it in some way. And how do you work that out? So it's a bit of a like a locked room, sort of maybe like thinking outside the box of like how do you form yes, a ritual yes. to stop them from destroying mm. the lands around them, or like what's causing them to be upset in this way? And usually, it's our fault. You know, it's mankind's fault rather right, than their fault. Right. So I just thought that's a, such an interesting way of talking about stories. Whereas Call of Cthulhu is obviously like, well, this is something horrible yeah, yeah, which yeah. we can't imagine. And they don't care. They're going to kill us no matter what we do. So <laughs> Yeah, Cthulhu's got that sort of finality to it. Exactly. The problem with Cthulhu yeah. is, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, it's Cthulhu. Yeah? <laughs> it's like... You could say the same thing about Alien, the RPG. You're like, well, I'm sure the Alien will turn up at some point. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Although, the Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Well, spoilers, Ooh. spoilers for hey. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this won't go out. The, my players won't hear this before we play it next weekend. So there we go. <sighs> Let's talk about podcasting. Yeah. What got you started and how do you make it? <laughs> <laughs> how do I, I mean, make it? Yes. <laughs> how, yeah, how do you make it? You edit yours, you publish yours, you do all of that I work? Do. Or is it I am a one-woman podcast right. machine. The reason yeah. I started out, I actually went to a workshop. I was here in London and I was like, oh, it's actually quite easy to put out a podcast. And I highly recommend to any of your readers, actually, if you ever felt about doing a podcast but not sure, just do it. Don't worry about it. Like it's you're actually... doing very well with the readers thing. By oh, the way, thanks. I'm very. I, I like. I don't have anything like that on my podcast. I just talk at people and hope they don't respond. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds. I think the guys would would say that that was that was ideal I as well. Yeah. yeah. But then what I used to do again. This was I started my like the what am I rolling? I started in the before times. So I actually had like a it's a HN4 Zoom recorder 
And so I'd plonk that yeah. in the middle of the table. They're not great, but they was like, oh, we're still alive. And you could always hear somebody, I don't know, munching in the background, somebody bloody... Sound quality is pretty good, I think. Oh, I mean, I tested, I dipped into some earlier programs, yeah. yeah. Oh, I definitely have one where somebody goes in and cooks like a stir fry halfway through. And of course, back then, Fiona was like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And then obviously future Fiona's like, oh, you should have just paused. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but then we obviously went to online yeah. and because of the great event. And I realised that, A, it's a lot easier to record people like and control audio quality through stuff like Zencaster or through stuff like Zoom. Yeah. Uh, make it very easy for yeah. people that and also through accessibility that you can give out digital character sheets or people can look up stuff much yes. much easier, have their own snacks and they can mute themselves when they're eating it. But also it meant yeah. I could play with other people or run games for other people in different time zones. I can't tell you how much that was a, almost like a a, a universe right, mind yeah. moment. Cause I was like, oh, there's a whole world of people out there that I can run yes. games with or playing games with that will obviously do a different style of story to me or run the game slightly different and I can learn from them. And it's been absolutely great. So I, I don't look back now. So yeah, I use stuff like Zencaster or Zoom to record stuff. And then I'll go through and edit mostly myself out because I'm the one that goes, let me look this up for 20 minutes. And look yeah, at no, it. I recognize yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. But honestly, I rarely edit any of the players because usually what they say is really good. And I also, when I'm, when I'm editing, what I sort of think about is like, what's the key thing that listeners of my show want to know so like it's all very well listening to an actual play or something like DD. people will know it's yes. a d20 roll and add something right but if you start off oh is that yeah oh, i know okay. it there you go that's my first big tip <laughs> roll a d20 we've and hope been doing for something it. wrong yeah. yeah but when i'm describing say for example solo rpgs sometimes it's quite difficult to be like oh do this this and this whereas i find it a lot easier now to write out this is the main mechanic you need to look out for and talk about the success levels and then bring that as sort of the, the big recap so they don't need to know everything about the combat if we don't go into it, you know, all that sort of things. But I'm like, here's the main rule you should look out for when we're telling these stories. Yes. And I think that's so important because a lot of times I will go and look at actual plays and see how other people have run games so I can get the mechanics in my head. And sometimes they don't talk about the mechanics at all. Even if it's just for five minutes at the beginning. And I know it's super boring for people because they want to get on with playing, but no, this it's is, so you're important. Right. No, this is, yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's why I'm listening. I want to know how it works. Mm. I don't want to... Right. I, okay. I, I think it's really interesting because I think, like, because obviously there's lots of, like, for example, Dungeons and Dragons, is obviously one of the, mo well, the most popular uh, role playing game mm. of all time, thanks to streaming. And you've got big shows like Dimension 20, Critical Role, High Rollers, all, all these different mm. Americanized shows. And they do it like a TV show, and that's absolutely amazing. And they've got great acting, great role play, whatever. But they just assume you have this knowledge. And okay, it's okay to assume, but I can't imagine. Like you might be inspired to run a game, but actually then you know, like, oh look, yeah. all these books, look at all these—it's actually quite intimidating, especially like again, as before, maybe digital accessibility. So like you didn't get the rules on a PDF or on a digital platform like D and D Beyond or um, Debbie yeah. Plain is the other one. So it's it's now like much more accessible. But I feel like if you're not sure about running games and you don't have maybe the capacity to to read big thick books. We need actual plays, even if it's, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit, but the Call of Cthulhu, for example, there's an absolutely great a quick start guide of how to create a character, yeah. how to roll, etc. by one of the writers who did it as a quick video on his YouTube channel. And it was great. It's got over like 100,000 views or whatever, because it's the only one that does it in under seven minutes. And that's what we need. We need more sort of like how-to yes. videos that aren't, you know, you can have the actual plays. That's not a problem. But I think more how-to videos on literally the mechanics is what's going forward. And that's why I hope with my podcast is like, here's the mechanics can listen to this episode if you want but if you only need to listen to that first five minutes that's totally okay with yeah, me yeah so the fiasco one that you mm. did that i dipped into well i didn't do, i mean I, I, how far am i through it anyway whatever <laughs> very succinctly and clearly oh, went through the character setup the connections and relationships yeah. and 
locations and all of the effectively the story building elements that then that then roll through the game yeah. for a game which is like you said is slightly away from a, you know a strongly gm'd game mm-hmm getting your head around these games can be a little bit difficult mm. there's a sort of perspective moment where you realize what's going on yeah. i thought that the way that you brought that fiasco game to life as it were at the beginning yeah. really really good oh, i just thought this is terrific and i will say on that fiasco so that's fiasco by bully pulpit games bully pulpit yeah yeah it's such a different way of rp of role-playing games because i i always refer to it as like rules light and crunchy and obviously crunchy i'd say dungeon dragons to an extent but you know like warhammer all, all those sort of things where, it, where you get really into it and you can really customize for some people, that's what they want to do. They want to do the math stuff. Some people just want to do pure role play and explore characters that they're not so sure. And I think everyone, maybe yourself included, Mike, loves uh, a Coen Brothers film. And that's what Fiasco yes, does. Do. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, here are all these weird sort of story threads that all come together for some sort of theme. And, and working that out together, I think it's, it is one of my favourite games to play, especially because can, you can replay it over and over again with different people and you get different results every time. And it's something a little bit different. And I, I think more people should play Fiasco. I think there is a podcast on Fiasco that's that's out or does it every so often puts a episode out with celebrity players. I've been watching Ted Lasso. Ah, recently. what a great oh so good. I love Ted Lasso. Right. And Ted Lasso is it's like Fiasco. Yeah. Here are the characters, here's the location, here is the shared experience. Mm. These are their relationships, these are their connections. Mm. Yeah, I mean it is. It's like determine all of those and then start the story yeah. running and see where it takes you having said that i had just been listening to your podcast before i started watching ted lasso <laughs> so maybe oh, that's but, slightly colored but ted, my I will, uh, yeah I, I second that recommendation for ted lasso certainly the first season oh. and that first episode it's this idea all it is is that what if a nice person yeah. from america comes over and the british people just reacting to like this person cannot be this nice and it's absolute joy and i love anything that's based in london and in richmond all that sort of thing like i love films that are based in places that i know but also, I just love how yeah, it yeah. just seems so organic, so sort of like natural. Like you like, and people are just confused by how nice this person is and how I should dislike him, but I can't because he's not done anything wrong. <laughs> we mustn't talk about Ted Lasso for too long because no. we'll be here. Forever. Well, I'll say, I'll say as well because uh, it sounds like you've only in season one, so I will not spoil season yeah, two for you. So, but let no, me let no, me know no, what you talk. think when you get to the end of it because I definitely was crying by the end of it. <laughs> okay, don't tell me stuff like that. As our readers will be all too aware, we know absolutely nothing about role-playing <laughs> games. It is refreshing and brilliant to have finally have somebody on oh. to talk to us who really does actually know what they were talking about for once. Oh. When's the next episode out? Of of which one? <laughs> of of uh, what am I rolling? What am I rolling? So that's every every two weeks on a Sunday. Usually comes out at half six GMT or BST, depending on where we are in time zones. And then DM's Book Club that's weekly on Wednesdays again six thirty. And with DM's Book Club, we talk about anything. It could be like whole big adventures or campaign settings. And then actually recently, I actually did a solo choose your own path, I think it's called, or you can't say the adventure one because it's copyrighted, but there's um, a <laughs> a spooky... What, like fighting fantasy thing? Kind of. It was by a company called Catacomb Books or something like that, where you had right. like a choose your own path adventure style book where you would choose your path and then when you came into combat, you'd roll a d12 and you had to get a number, uh, like say eight or under in order to hit... And so I, I yes. played through a game called Night, as in K-N-I-G-H-T, yes. of the Living Dead. And I've just finished that now. Um, Deary me. And it's, it's yeah. very, it's, I really enjoyed it, but I got very cross at the end. <laughs> right. So yeah, actual plays are everywhere, even in books where you choose your own adventure. So your next episode is going to be more... I'm hope- I, yeah, so the next Where episode, I'm hope- hopefully going back to some actual plays, because I know the last couple of episodes have been quite interview heavy which has yeah. been absolutely lovely that people would like to talk to me about their games but in mains i've now got a bit of a yeah. backlog um so i'm hoping we're going to put out paranoia but it's the uh oh, red fantastic. clearance box set 
which is typically after we recorded it, I found out that there's going to be the perfect edition coming out. But hopefully we've just organised some logistics. Don't think that matters. Well, it, Brilliant. it does matter a little bit because they've changed all the rules. But I am going to be ah. interviewing uh, those folks behind the new edition in the next couple of weeks as well. So it's, it's all kismet in a way. Uh, you know, you find wow. out stuff, you email and you get through. So uh, This yeah, is so- like a proper show for you <laughs> that you have. Honestly, I know you can't be that familiar with, with us because nobody oh. is. If you had, by the way, any concept that you were coming on for this chat in order to kind of build your audience, I've got some bad news no, for you. I, I, I Only love, five people I were here. I love chatting this. to anyone and anyone who will listen to me uh, that, and give me snacky. the airtime to talk about this stuff. Yeah, so yeah. No, well, no, we can certainly give you that. <laughs> okay, so Paranoia is the next yep. one shot that you're going to be running through. Fantastic. And you've got more interview shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, readers, I beseech, I implore you to check out the What Am I Rolling podcast, and the other one, the Hamilton one that we didn't know about, which is a massive coincidence, the DMs Book Club. As always, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Billowing Hilltoe. You can see our character art and our maps and charts and all sorts of other stuff on our Tumblr at billowinghilltop.tumblr.com. And of course, you can always email us at hello at billowinghilltop.com. We will stuff your message into Paul's sack for later retrieval. Fiona, thanks for coming in. It oh, was great to chat. Thank you. And readers, we'll see you next week. The Billowing Hilltop Podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Spire of Long Shadows and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Spire of Long Shadows was written by Jesse Decker. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 